It's you. Uh uh-uh, uh, it's, it's all a- you. You always do this part. No, I. The person who is not reading the chapter always does this part. <laughs> oh, I guarantee you. Hello, that's Andrew. I'm Ashton. This is Romantic Underpinnings. This is chapter 13, folks. Sorry for the colossal delay. Lots of shit in our actual lives has been going down. Um, but here's a new episode. Follow us on Instagram at Romantic Underpinnings, at Twitter at RomUnderPod, and on our website, RomanticUnderpinnings.com. Oh, I do want to shout out the one person who wrote in to us. We have a fan. We have one fan, you guys. It's so exciting. I'm turning the recording volume down. Oh, shit. Sorry. This person made a fake email address account, which I just, like, respect on a whole other level. So here's to you. The fake email. You account. Don't say it. Don't say it. Oh, I shouldn't say it. Absolutely not. Okay, but it is so baller. This person deserves their privacy. Okay, I'm so impressed. I mean, they have their privacy yet because that's clearly a nom de plume. Probably, but we still don't want to just put Out our there other... That's fair. Our, our other... <laughs> well, no, because we have at least five or six other mm. hooliganish listeners, and we don't want our our devoted writer to get bombarded. But that That's person true. did write to the email, hello at romanticunderpinnings.com. And they made their own romantic underpinning specific fan mail email address. I am going to say that because I think it's so rad. It is a reference. It's hilarious. So kudos to you. Sorry we disappointed you in the last episode. We're both just like trying not to get fired. Yeah, not that anyone knows who we are because our operational security is impeccable. (laughs) I mean, sure. So, (laughs) I... So you you said the socials. Yes. Normally the person who introduces the episode also says a little bit about what the episode or what the podcast is about as well as... See, you you like give the me as this person too much credit because even though I wrote it, I have real, like real trouble remembering what the plot is. But anyway, this is a podcast. We're co-writing a romantic novel. I'm writing the dude chapters and then Andrew Cold reads them. And then he writes the lady chapters and then I cold read them and we take turns every other week. And so far we are somewhere in France. Hilariously, if you've been following along, I messed up the ports um, two weeks, two episodes ago. And that was just like a ridiculous disaster. But we're somewhere in France. It's like an English trading ship. We have a single person on board of the ship who's masquerading as a dude. They're trying to get it for France for reasons which I think I have tried to clarify in this chapter. But hilariously, the first two or three chapters, we like hadn't quite solidified the plot of why they're doing this. Um, and I totally messed up the year and was in a totally different war with different kings. And it was kind of ridiculous. So what year is it now? 1690. Damn, you're good. I mean, I should be this far into it, but who knows? Okay, I'm going to pause recording just to make absolutely sure that this isn't going to sound like dog shit. Devoted listeners, please stay on the line. Let's explore language, romance, and resilience. And welcome to Romantic Underpinnings. Okay, I think that Operation Don't Sound Like Dog Shit has been somewhat of a success. What do you think, Ashton? Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to have to like continue on to see, but sure. All right, we have got this. We're now sitting next to each other instead of across the table from each <laughs> other. So I know they all really care. 
Well, I mean, I think people have been tracking the subtle gradations in our dynamic over the course of these episodes. We're really sorry if you've been doing that. No, I mean, yeah, we just have to provide a little bit of context um, before we get to the text text, Mm. which I will be reading this week because Ashton has written a chapter over the last couple days that I have not read, OBS, and... She summarized the plot such as it is. We've been sort of limping along with it. Um, We both punted to each other if you've been paying attention. And now I think I've decided on a direction. And we'll see if it's working or not. But anyway. Well, I can't wait to find out the doings of our hero, Anthony, possibly Snellsbury, possibly (laughs) Fletcher? Thatcher. We came up I with two names for that. him over the months. And our heroine, who is, as always, Agatha Van Horn, but who um, is currently masquerading with tremendous adeptness <laughs> as um, uh, Peter de Hauk, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Um, on the staff of the crew, one might say, of Anthony's ship. And... I will begin reading somewhere in France. <laughs> I mean, I think we have pretty much decided it's love, but I famously messed it up and picked Calais. Yes, but in fairness to you, you would have actually had to have read what I wrote in order to not mess that up. <laughs> I did! <laughs> okay. <laughs> Out loud to our four people. That's what they all said. <laughs> anyway. All right. Chapter 13. A noise from behind Anthony startled him out of his complete and utter daze of holding on to Peter. He jerked his body away from Peter and spun to face the noise, shielding his body with Anthony's own. He turned to face what appeared to be Dipper. Anthony was taller and wider than Peter and hoped to God that Dipper couldn't see him. Or if he could, that he couldn't see enough of him to make out who he was or what they'd been doing. Dipper said nothing, but raised an eyebrow. What do you want? Anthony managed to say around the fear clenching his jaw. He was impressed he was able to speak. Uh, I trust that our listeners remember more details of the configuration that uh, our hero and heroine were in at the end of the last chapter. Um... (laughs) Although, uh, wait, there was something, oh, oh, I was just wondering if, um, if Anthony did the waistband tuck is all. Oh, geez. But it's a very important Mm. procedure that I do not think should be left out of fiction. It is left out for good reason. Where, where would I put the, anyway, keep going. But I don't know that there was a good spot to put this in. Yeah, before he spun around and away from He didn't have time. He was... Startled completely. All right. Well, uh, the Wasteman Tuck Hive is going to go after you. But anyway, we'll continue. Fair enough. Um, Well, Captain, just thought you'd want to know that half your crew has landed them. Foof. (laughs) That was not my fault. No, it absolutely was not. Well, I noticed there was some French coming, but I decided to like try to figure it out in advance (laughs) before getting to it in a sentence. (laughs) Why? 
Well, Captain, just thought you'd want to know that half your crew has landed themselves in Maison de Ré, and the other two boneheads are busily yelling at the guards to let the others out. To say it's not going well would be an understatement, sir, Dipper said, stringing more words together than Anthony had ever heard from him in one go. I think Dipper had had a gruff voice before, but I, yeah. I don't have it in me tonight. That's all right. I, he's an old sea salt. I also, salt. the numbers are going to get a little weird because I couldn't exactly remember how many crew members there were. And I was too lazy to go back and look. So I might have included an invisible ghost member in that count. <laughs> wow. I think I clarify it later. Um, but in this part, I knew there was a spot that I had like maybe missed it. You know? And I was like, well, whatever. Okay. Including the waistband tuck, that's two invisible ghost members. But anyway, we'll find out what happens. Uh, um, and I will make fun of you because I, I think I remember how many there are. Oh, but then again, I might not. That makes one of us. All right. I think I, we're going to have a um, a quiz at the end. All right. Okay. We haven't that's really fair. been doing like segments of this show. We had like a tiny bit in the beginning and then just like have totally fallen off and just been informally reading, which is fine. But I think what quizzes are fun. What did we have in the beginning? We were like rating them out oh, of 10. yeah. Anyway, I'm fine to stop doing that because it's quite stressful. Yeah. Um, I think that's why I didn't ask you. I just like was whatever. So, back to the story. So many thoughts flew through Anthony's head that he had trouble grasping any of them. But a part of him was still focused on Peter. Yes, it was. He had to get a handle on this current catastrophe with his crew. How? Why? He managed. He knew that it didn't really matter, but he needed to get enough of a handle on the situation. <laughs> I mean, he has to get a handle on both the situation and the catastrophe. That's the problem. There's both a situation and a catastrophe happening. Shut up. And they each have need handles on them. You know what? Okay. Better than pulleys. Fair enough. Um... Uh, he had to get enough of a handle on the situation to figure out how he was going to get his crew out of prison and what money he was going to use on the bribe. Dipper shrugged. Doesn't matter much, does it? He said. Aw, gruff voice. Yeah, well, you know, even more gruff voice is what I would like to say. <laughs> right, well, no matter. How much do you think it'll take? Anthony said. He realized that Peter was still hiding behind him. He really hoped that Dipper would leave soon, so that he and Peter could leave this room with limited embarrassment all around. Maybe five livres? These bastards want to bleed us dry. Doesn't sound like a lot of money. Well, it is when, like, that's like a whole year's payment. Like, that's a pound? Are you sure a livre and a pound listen, are equivalent? I went down on a whole... Also with Maison de Ret, which is um, jail for all those people. I thought you'd stop and talk about it. But um, yes, it is. And for the time, I was like, who knew? All right. Um, I could be wrong. I mean, it's supposed to be a lot of money, though. And five pounds in 1690 would have been a lot of money. Yeah, I didn't realize there was a one-to-one -one conversion ratio. At the time, I think there was. I tried okay. really hard to figure it out. And that's what I came up with. All right, I, I will believe you because the only thing I've ever read about France is about like the Revolutionary War period. I should say it's the earliest I've really read about France or the, 
you know, starting in like the 1770s and a lot of inflation could have happened in 80 plus years. Um, anyway, a lot of inflation certainly did happen in 80 plus years. Well, but then how much, what would be the equivalent to a pound? I can't tell you the oh, 1770s okay. equivalent. That just seems like a relatively piddling amount to me. Just intuitively based on having read like one and a half books about the French Revolution. Okay, we're going to have to figure it out. But I tried really hard to make it accurate and to seem like a year's worth of salary because that's what mm -hmm. I was going for. For like a laborer? Yeah, for a guardsman, right? Like oh, okay. it's the people who work at the jail who are bribing who they who need oh, bribing right so wow so you looked at jail salaries well i looked at the price of bread and that's kind of what i went off of and the price of like an average i mean they don't really have average salary right because they would have mm -hmm. just like traded you know give me whatever quarts of milk for your whatever you know what i mean like they would have mm -hmm. it was more of a goods-based economy so they wouldn't have necessarily had mm. money money but I tried to look up the price of bread and, like, the prices of a few other things, like cheese and whatever, and then based on that. So you, like, literally just multiplied a bunch of stuff? Like, how much bread and cheese someone would eat? Yeah. I mean, I tried, right? But, like, I could be way off. Uh, I don't think we're going to get any emails from <laughs> late 17th century French jail guards to contradict us. So let's say five livres. Okay. Um... It's supposed to be a lot of money, right? So that's the point I'm trying to make. All right. These bastards want to bleed us dry, Dipper commented. Anthony swore a blue streak that would have made the rest of his crew proud. He felt Peter shift behind him and hoped to God he would just stay put. Dipper nodded once and turned to go. Hey, Peter, he said on his way out. <laughs> Anthony dropped his head to his hand as he heard Dipper chuckle. He turned to Peter. We have to go. Now. He almost shouted at Peter. We have to go. Now. He almost shouted at Peter. Peter jumped back, the fear compounding behind his eyes. But, um, sir, what about how we... He stuttered up at Anthony. We don't have time. We will talk about this he gestured between them. Later. He bit the last word out with a vile taste in his mouth. Peter showed a vulnerability that Anthony hadn't seen in him before. He looked at the floor. Anthony felt abashed about his tone and dealing with Peter, but he didn't have time to assuage his guilt. He had a crew to save. He took a deep breath, checked that his shirt was tucked in, and hustled out of the ship. That's not the only thing that was tucked in. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> ah, who invited you? I'm just saying. Ugh. I'm not saying that I'm, that I'm saying. You are saying. Peter following close on his heels. Let me recap some of this. So he took a deep breath, checked that his shirt, etc. was tucked in, and, comma, and hustled out of the ship, period. Peter following close on his heels, period. What are you trying to say right now? Too many periods? Too many commas? Too few verbs. Okay. Peter following close on his heels is, um, you know, not what everyone would call a sentence, but you, know you sentenced it. You know, <laughs> you got there. It was supposed to feel staccato, like they're in a hurry. Ah, uh, oh, 
conceding the action to the word, the word to the action. Trying. It's going trippingly <laughs> off the tongue, and cool. then I interrupt it. Well, I thought so. You didn't have any trouble reading it, that's for sure. Fair enough. <laughs> they left the ship, strode down the gangplank, and nearly ran toward the prison. Fucking France. Goddamn frogs, Anthony thought to himself. The sooner he could get back to his island and his own ship and his own life, the better. I don't see what... I don't think the French are to blame for the fact that he hired a crew full of belligerent morons. But (laughs) anyway, we'll find out in the future, I guess. (laughs) You can still be mad about it. Don't take it out on the fucking French. They're just doing their jobs. But the English notoriously hate the French, right? Isn't that a thing? Well, they were at war at the time. So they were at war! You don't have to use semi-ethnic slurs about your noble combatants. Oh, you're really not going to like the end of this. But anyway. Oh, okay. I'm going to put in my request now. I hope that one of the French people calls one of the English people a roast beef at some point. Oh my God, that'd be amazing. No, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. The French call English, like, I think there's some, like, shortened version, but they call them, like, roast beefs. Oh man, I love that so much. I wish I was called a roast beef. I, I think you're sort of grandfathered in being from the Midwest. Hell yes! But, um... Can I be a roast cheese? <laughs> you're a curd muncher. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Oh, man, cheese curds sound good right now. Oh, no. Okay, I have to start <laughs> reading again before we make any bad decisions. <laughs> Too late. Um, yeah, no more stupid deals with kings. No more confusing crew hands, and no more idiots landing themselves in jail. Morons. Hey, that's what I just called them. We, we're in agreement. Anthony and I are vibing. <laughs> he stumbled into the square, searching for the jail. It had to be one of these stone buildings. The only problem was that the square was lined with stone buildings, and they all looked exactly the same. Suddenly, English perked his ear. He knew those voices. He started toward Jack. Figures. He thought Jack would definitely have... He thought Jack would have definitely been one of the ones locked up. That meant that Lobo and Charlie were behind bars. Okay, so who am I missing? We've got Dipper coming to tell them. Jack, Lobo, and Charlie. That's it, right? Yes. Okay, so in the beginning, I did add an extra person. Then I was writing this part, and I was like, oh, there's only the six of them. Right? Yes, okay. that is true. There, So, Jack did have an invisible friend for a little while yelling at the French jailers. Right, but that's easily fixable in post. But when I started it, I was like, there's one more, but there isn't. Oh man, what would you have called this new crew member and what would his specialty have been? Sunflower and gathering, um, like, uh, what, like, like, like edible berries and stuff. Oh, a forager. Forager, thank you. Every ship's crew needs a exactly. forager. Exactly, land, a land mammal forager. That would have been my role on a that ship in this era. I'm a mammal. land, yes, I'm land bound. I, I have not done much practical research. Um, I think I have actually been on a sailing ship once. Actually, I think it was a sailing boat. A sailboat, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, Yes. Anyway, um, I've never been on a sloop. I can say that for a certain. A sloop? 
I thought that's the kind of boat this was. No, it's no, a schooner. It's a that's scooter. right. They're schooning all over like, the damn sloop place. John B. What are we talking about? What no, they're not slooping. Sloop? They're schooning. Okay. I'm is sorry. That a, is a sloop a thing? Yeah, a sloop is a kind of boat. Yeah, who knew? Yeah. Uh, the, the Beach Boys are the ultimate <laughs> authority on all things nautical. I guess, right? I mean, they're more like shoreline specialists, but you can learn a lot about boats from beaches. Well, okay. Anyway, um, that meant that Lobo and Charlie were behind bars. He swore inside his head he could not afford this. The budget was tight as it was. He did not have the resources for this, which is sort of a way of not affording something. Well, but he also doesn't have the time or the capacity. I wanted to make it clear, like, this is kind of a major setback. You made it so clear, you <laughs> clarified it twice. Shut up. Uh, fuck. These morons. He's really mad. He is. I, I get it. I would be mad, too. Uh, they I, were just supposed to... Okay, anyway. They were supposed to go into town to avoid being noticed. And now they're in jail? Mm -hmm. That's what, you know. Anyway. No, they should not have gotten themselves locked up. That's why I am totally Team France on this. I hope all these roast beef motherfuckers get kicked back across the channel where they came roast from. Roast beeves? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> That's the plural, right? Uh, it was in the Bible, which I love. Really? Yes. Oh my God, I totally made that up. No, no, uh, absolutely. Like in the King James version of the Bible. There's a V? Yeah, yeah. So like the plural of beef is beeves. That's B amazing. B -E -E we should go back to that. Best thing to come out of the Bible in the whole thing. Pretty much. Anyway, um... Okay, sorry, I lost my place. I'm getting there, getting there. A constant stream of curses ran on a loop inside. He finally reached the front of the jail, yanked Jack's arm to whirl him to face Anthony. What the blasted hell is going on? He shouted six inches from Jack's face. Jack blinked at him, uncomprehending, but appearing sober. Or sober enough. He blinked again. Um, well, Captain, see, it started in the tavern and went like, well, and then they... Jack trailed off. Anthony roughly shoved him aside. It didn't matter anyway. Those dundered heads morons. These dunder-headed morons, my bad. Yeah, okay, yes. The, oh, sorry, I, these, yes, dunder-headed morons, although I like dundered heads morons. <laughs> And now he only had to get them out. Anthony stomped into the jail. Thank heaven Peter had followed him. He needed his translating skills now more than ever. There was a guard standing in the entry. Anthony suddenly realized that it was one of the naval officers from the pier. Pier being capitalized. Well, there's only one. Um, yeah, but there's only like... One strange sculpture, like carved wooden sculpture of a rooster in this room we're recording in right now, but I wouldn't do like capital you would C to capital. capitalize it. I really wouldn't. You would. Carved rooster. Yes. It's the only one that exists. Fair enough. It's hideous as hell, folks, and I want to burn it. Well, maybe we will like raffle it off to the devoted listeners as a special prize at the end of this season i want to just send it to the one person who wrote us an email actually if you if you write back with your address i will 
literally send you this weird, ugly oh, rooster sculpture. Please do it. That would make me so happy. Yes. As our first person to write to our podcast email account, you get a gift mailed directly from us. Anyway. Um... <laughs> Uh, sorry, sorry. No, I'm I'm finding it. I'm finding it. Capital Pier. Oh, yeah, the Capital Pier. What the hell was this guy doing here? The guard started yelling at Anthony in French. Anthony stopped, a bit too close to the guard's face. He took half a step back. He asked Peter what the guard said, without looking at him. A reed of a voice came from behind Anthony. He said that Lobo and Charlie are being held because they pissed their pants in public, said Peter. Anthony shook his head. There was no way that had happened. There was no way this was a law. There was no way they had been put in jail for anything other than being both English and obnoxious simultaneously at the bar. Yeah, so I also went on a really weird rabbit hole of what like, would have been illegal in 1690 because like... I don't know. I wanted to do public indecency, but, like, I was like, I don't... Who knows if that's a thing? It got really weird, and I was like, whatever. I'm just gonna make this up. Yeah, like, jails were not a huge amount of a thing, aside from, like, political prisoners and stuff. Right, so I was just like, whatever. They're just gonna get basically arrested for being British while they're at war. And being, like, kind of drunk or whatever. Fair enough. Once again, I agree with the French about everything. (laughs) Um, I'm just saying, that's not real. Yeah. Anyway. No, okay. So, ask him how much, Anthony bit out at Peter. A rapid exchange followed. Peter spat something back at the Frenchman. Anthony finally looked over at Peter. Peter's face was radiating fury on his delicate features, an expression Anthony had never seen before. Peter named the price, an amount that Anthony could not believe. He shook his head again, hoping he'd misheard. When nothing happened, he knew he hadn't. Tell him to let one of them go first. Peter gave the instructions. The guard shook his head. Fine. Anthony grabbed for his purse, hanging from his belt. He handed out the money counting slowly to ensure that the guard knew they were the guard knew they weren't being cheated wow nice um you know ungendered singular they usage going on for the french port guard sailor dude well, in 1690 well the french the one guard is obviously going to split it with his compatriot who's about to appear mhm all right cuz there's two of them yeah, it's just all the negotiations have been happening to one guard and that one guard That's was true. being paid, so that they sort of jumped out at me. Just Sorry. just a just a little bit. It wasn't like it wasn't like a bad surprise. It was you know, just like someone coming up and giving you a nice neck massage when you're already very close personal friends with them, but you didn't realize you were about to get a neck massage. Um As soon as the money exchanged hands, the guard whistled for a comrade to bring Lobo and Charlie forward. The two shuffled forward, heads bowed. To the ship now, Anthony barely managed to say to his delinquent crew. They all moved forward as a group, looking ashamed. They walked, a silent cohort, back to the ship. 
they all ended up in the kitchen. Oh, oh, hey, I'm nautical term time. Nautical term time. Galley. Oh. It's totally a galley. That's what I used in the you're last right. chapter. You're right, it is. But also, it's basically just the hold because I don't think there's like a separate yeah, room I mean, with actual walls. Yeah, it's like they're downstairs, right? I mean, they're yeah. below deck. Yeah, it's the kitchen, sleeping area, uh, some storage. Anyway. The whole crew. Anyway. Yeah, it's the place. But a corner of it is the galley. And that's where they're hanging out. I mean, that's where all the cool sailors end up at any party. So I I understand. Um, What the hell were you idiots thinking? I told you to go into town to avoid suspicion. Misspelled, but that's neither here nor there. Not cost me my purse. Land yourselves in jail and give notice to every person in a 20-mile radius that there's a crew of Englishmen entering the port. Also capitalized. No, no. Englishmen should be capitalized. No, port. Oh, oh, port. <laughs> Maybe it's this word starting with the letter P. Um, what was I thinking? Is someone need a potato lighter? Is it oh capitalized? Oh, my God. Also, yeah, a crew of singular Englishmen is, is happening what? as well. English man, oh, man entering the port. Okay, that's just... No, like literally, pure... oh, man. That's, that's pure typo on my part. Though. I know. Oh, I believe you. Uh, <laughs> he knew that shouting was wasted breath on these louts. His voice was deathly serious and biting. Anthony knew that his tone was conveying a flogging worse than screaming. Oh, oh, sorry. I I thought it was a flogging worse than something. That was my fault reading it out loud for the first time. Anthony knew that his tone was conveying a flogging worse than screaming. I'd say more than screaming would have or something, because that's still a little bit... Sounds like you're comparing the flogging to the screaming. Anyway. (laughs) You're being extraordinarily pedantic this episode more than normal. I haven't, I'm, I'm, maybe it's because I'm tired. I'm just like cranky and when I'm cranky, <laughs> I pick apart word choices. Other people's hard, hard written shit. You wrote it hard and put it away wet. Oh. Um, okay, no, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be very supportive about the rest of No, everything. it's fine. I mean, you don't have to be like, this is the best shit ever, but. Now. I know that you are all here because you trust that I am a good captain. I also know that you don't know our true purpose. I am about to enlighten you. But this stays inside between us on pain of death. Do you all understand me? Anthony asked. He looked each of them in the eye, waiting for them to nod in turn. When he received a satisfactory response from each crew member, he continued, We're here on official, unofficial kingly business. We're here to thwart the French army. King William and King Louis are at war, which you are all aware of. Now, you all know that James has been deposed, leaving the French king vulnerable. James? Yeah, the Scottish bro. Right? I did some serious research. So, King James got deposed, um, leaving the French without an ally in Scotland. Oh, I see. I see. I see. I actually, on this part, did some historical sort of (laughs) research gathering, and I was like, I don't know why this matters, but apparently it was quite a big deal at the time. 
Yeah, it was called the Old Alliance, A-U-L-D, because that's how they like spelling it in Scotland between oh. France and... Well, they basically lost like their foothold on the British like island, like the mainland, well, mm -hmm. not the mainland, the part of the United Kingdom where they had like a stronghold where they could like feed their army into. Mm. Right, because James got deposed, because so then William took over the whole thing. Anyway. Oh, sweet. I um, tried. <laughs> all right, and uh, and I guess Anthony's going to tell us the rest. Hopefully. Um, however, there have been rumors that the French are planning to attack in Devon. We're here to get to the French court and sniff out as many French secrets as possible. We will be posing as a merchant group, but gathering secrets every step of the way. <sighs> we will make our way to the Louvre, selling our wares along the way and buying secrets. Oh, please stop saying it like that. After our stock is gone, if and if we haven't been arrested again, and we have something important to tell the king, we will make our way back to King William, court. King William's court and be on our way to the rest of our lives. If this mission is successful, we will all have an official charter, fat purses. We will be in the king's good graces and can go about our lives. Anthony finished his long speech. So, yeah. Also, there was one more attack in Devon. It was like the last part of the Seven Years' War. And it was July of this year, 1690. And then after that, the French were like, eh, we're giving up. I thought the Seven Years' War was earlier, and this was the one after the Seven Years' War. And I think this is part of it, like the very tail end. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. I know there was an attack in this year, July 26th, in Devon, and it was like the in last 1690? one. Yes. The last one of this par part of the war. Right after James gets deposed. I can't wait to look this up. <laughs> I okay, but anyway. You, like, I believe you about 1690, but I'm going to risk embarrassing myself horrifically and say I don't think the seventeen the seven-year war was happened during 1690. Okay. Well, I could be wrong, but whatever war is going on right now, maybe not the seven years war, but there was one more attack in Devon for this year. Mm -hmm. That happened in July, right after William of Orange, or the King of England at yeah. the time, claims Scotland and blah, blah, blah. Because James gets deposed. All right. You don't believe anything no, I'm saying. I, no, I, I can't wait to look it up. You don't believe anything I'm saying. No, I hope the French won. I don't they think don't, they did. Who wins? Well, I mean, they don't take over England. Right, obviously. I think the war ended up as one of those, like, unsatisfying semi-draws mm. the way so many European wars do. Um, okay, but I did think that this was, like, an okay premise for them to... Well, and I had some interesting fun looking up where the French court actually was. And it was the Louvre, which is weird. Oh, yeah. Well, he had just... Yeah, I think that um, Versailles hadn't quite been built. No, I mean, it not like from what I found. It was on its way. Right. Yeah, no, I think that showed up a little later. So that at least works in our Sen thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're going to Paris. Paris. Right. Yeah, they're going to the French court, French court in the Louvre. That all checks out. 
Um, They're just trying to get secrets from the French military basically to thwart them, whether or not it's this actual attack on Devon or a different one. But they're trying to end this war, whichever one it is. Okay, so, yeah, we're not doing the, like... No. The original frame-up planting something-something. I don't something, think so. something. I think they're just on a mission for secrets. All right. Don't you think? When I want <laughs> spying to get done, I trust one relatively inexperienced sailor to hire his very incompetent friends and get to fucking I spying. Mean, this is no more or less unbelievable than like any other romance novel plot. That is true. You know what I like? I was like, whatever. They can just be going to the French court. Trying to collect secrets <laughs> and sell off their stock and then go back home without getting hanged. Because, I mean, hypothetically, they are at war. That war, no, this works for me. I, I think that, you know, there, prob there was probably a lot more of this going on in 1690 between England and France than there was, like, cake decorators falling in love with N NHL players, which is what a lot of romance novels are That's about. That's true. So, I mean, I mean, he probably, like, you'd think King William would send several of these types of crews out to try yeah. and get information. It's not much skin off his nose. He no, if he well just, just, like, if they die, they die. He doesn't care. Like, yeah, might as well send some pir pirates around and see what happens. Broadcast right? sewing. I love it. Well, kind of, right? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know how else he would get any information. I think you've been a king of England in a previous life. Maybe. No, you're good at this. Um, that's better than what I would have come up with. I mean, I had we had to do something, right, for the plot, and this made the most sense to me. Well, I was doing stuff for the plot. It was just the part of the plot where people put their hands down each other's pants. <laughs> but anyway. But you see what I'm saying? Like, yes. they had to do something for their mission, and since I had royally fucked it up so bad in the first three chapters or four chapters or whatever I had to like I think this is what we're going with now all right it's a deal it's what we're going with now um you can disagree if you want they all nodded in unison <laughs> Anthony made himself clear that's that's clear to me I'm I'm ready I'll go forward I'll have people fucking selling wares and buying secrets all all the day long um now Going forward, I expect all of you to put king and country before your own base desires and do what is best for this mission. It is important, Anthony said. We have a long week or so ahead of us. Now to bed. We leave in the morning. They shuffled off to their berths. Anthony passed a fitful night of sleep, dreaming of French guards screaming and someone else whispering, Sir in his ear. Wait, oh. Yeah, and that's just an errant. Yeah, straight quote. quotation marks. It's just sort of, it's just some seasoning. You know, you gotta sometimes like get a pinch of paprika thrown in there Yikes. in the paragraph. Uh, <laughs> he woke at the crack of dawn, ready to yell at his crew to prepare to sail down the Seine, but they were all silently going about their tasks when he arrived on the deck. As he watched them work, he inwardly smiled. Clearly, his little speech had put them all on their best behavior, at least for the time being. He continued watching, and Jack sidled up to him. Um, er, boss, can I bend your ear for a mite? Jack asked. Anthony nodded, turned on his, his heel. 
with Jack following closely behind. Well, um, when we were outside the clink last night, well, Jack began sheepishly. Anthony snapped his fingers at him, impatient. Okay, well, yes. I overheard a couple tossers speaking about a traveler's caravan in town headed toward court, Jack said. I thought it might be a good idea if we talked to them about what news they've heard in the countryside. They are usually the best source of gossip, courtly or otherwise, Jack finished lamely. Anthony nodded at him. Good work, Jack. I'll go into the square to see what they know. Hold the crew on sailing until I get back, Anthony said. Jack nodded. Anthony took the deck, barking orders at the crew. Finally, he declared his intention toward Peter. He directed. Oh, yes, thank you. Finally, he directed his attention toward Peter. You and me, boy. I'll need your language skills to talk to the travelers. Come, he ordered, striding toward the gangplank and not looking back to see if Peter was following him. At this point, he didn't much care. This voyage was already one disaster after another. He was waiting with bated breath to see if any of them made it home alive. End of chapter. Wow, you put a lot of suspense into that last sentence. Well, you put a lot of suspense into this whole chapter. I'm barely going to find time to just have everyone make out. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to do it because we need to... Well, we need a, to strive toward our happily ever after as well as prevent these English people who severely deserve to have their heads cut off and placed <laughs> on spikes above the Louvre, like to, you know, presumably mostly come back, although I have doubts about some of their loyalty and maybe maybe some shit goes down. Who knows? Ooh, shit going down sounds good. But I can't wait to write this and have an episode out in I guess less than a week to get back Yay. on track. So everyone, you get two episodes in a span of like five days and you will enjoy them and you will tune in again for the next episode of Romantic Underpinnings. Like, review, subscribe, purchase merch from our website. Anything else, Ashton, before I sign off? No, that's it. All right. Goodbye, everyone. We'll talk soon.